Okay, good morning. Today's shir will be and as well as for Chai Esther and all Chole Yisrael. Today we are going to have a fun day. There's, I mean, there is a potpourri of, uh, of mitzvahs we're going to do. Some of them obscure, but it's really an uh, interesting Gemara that it gives all these uh, interesting uh, possibilities and scenarios, but it's going to take us really on a joyride through Shas. So, we are on Chaf Be'ez and Aleph. If you remember, we discussed last week about there's a case where one person can go ahead and plow and be of eight different Amalkios, right? Chayev <coughs> eight different ta- times for eight different Averos. And then the Gemara says, if you're going to mention Yontif, plowing, what about, see- what about sowing or, or planting? Lo Sizra Karmachal Kelayim. So the Gemara says, no. <clears throat> you only chayv on Yontif once because we don't hold of chiluk melachos on Yontif. By Shabbos, it's singled out the mitzvah of Havara. There's a machlokas whether Havara, the lav yatsas, or the chalik yatsas, meaning only, la, only of the lamitas melachos, the only one mentioned was don't start a fire. Why was that mentioned? Is it to teach us that each of the 39 melachos are an independent obligate, you know, uh, uh, avera? Or just to teach us that that one is not one of the. Um, Malachos, it's just a lav. You don't get skila for it. It's just a lav. We haven't told of chiluk malachos that on Shabbos, if I give you one warning, don't do a malacha, and then in the next few minutes you do three different malachos, you chive three times, as opposed to yantif. So, <clears throat> Gemara picks up now towards the top of the Gemara. The Gemara is going to give, whoa, whoa, what do you mean only eight? There could be so many other possibilities where he violated another Avera. So before we get to the first one in the Gemara, let's just turn to Parak to give us a background in Parsha Shoftim, in Devarim. Parak Chafalev, Pasuk Aleph, it's page 1042 in the Chumashim. And it says, Kim, we're going to read this because there's so many halachas we're going to learn from this, which the Gemara doesn't necessarily relate to or mention, but there's so many halachas, and since we don't really come across this mitzvah very often, <clears throat> I figured it'd be a good time to delve into some of the uh, nitty gritty. Ki when you find a corpse by Adam lying on the ground, in a land which Hakadosh Baruch Hu has given to you as an inheritance, we'll see all these words are critically important as they impact halacha. No felvasada, he's, he's in the uh, ground, he's laying uh, down, he's dead. Lono we do not know who killed him, meaning no witnesses. Also be critical. So what happens? The zikenim of the closest city come out. And they will go ahead and measure. They actually measure from his nose. Because that's considered the part where he breathes from. The most important part of the body. So they measure. Let's just say he's in an awkward position. Or he's decapitated. So you actually find. uh, You actually uh, measure which is the closest city. That which surround the corpse. The city which is closest to the corpse. So what happens? Those zikenim, they take a calf that was never worked and never toiled a day in the sun, and never plowed and never pulled any uh, any um, any uh, yoke. Thank you. They take these zikenim of the city that is closest. They take this eglah, this this calf. To a Nachal Eitan. Now, what is a Nachal Eitan? A Nachal here either means a river, a valley, or a river or a valley, meaning a stream. Eitan means that it's strong, meaning if you interpret it as a river or a stream, it's one that has a very, very fast current. Or if it's a valley, it's one that's very hard and infertile. Asher lo yaved bovlo has never been worked. Ve'arfusham is agla You actually decapitate. You actually decapitate the, the calf. V'nikshokhanim and so on and so forth. <coughs> And then at the very end, 
it says they have to say, they wash their hands, they wash their hands, and then they say they do vidoy. In the last line, we did not know, we, the Zikainim of the city, we're not responsible, we didn't kill this person, and we did not see what transpired, copper, it should be a kapara, so on and so forth. So, <clears throat> keep the Chumashim open. The Gemara is going to ask a question about this Gemara, but just some, a few incredible, noteworthy halachos based on these Pesukim. First of all, the Gemara learns out, the, the, um, the Gemara learns out, this is just a smaller area here. The bigger Gemara is in Sota. And we learn from here, when it says Cholal, it's not a person who was strangled or a person who uh, fell down. It had to be killed by a sharp, blunt object, meaning a, a metal object. Specifically, it was killed by a metal object. That's the case that we're talking about here. And then it says, Badama, lying in the ground, which means if he's, you find him hanging on a tree or floating in a river, the halacha does not apply. Egla rufa does not apply, only unless he's specifically laying in the ground. Okay, no fel basada. It also says, on a land which HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you, it says, Baruch Asher, that land that Hashem gave you as an inheritance. There's a machlokas in Megillah Davchavav, whether Yerushalayim, when is Chalkal Shvatim, during the times of Yoshua, Yoshua of Kibush Eretz Yisrael, when they went ahead and they divided the different parts of Eretz Yisrael to the Shvatim, was Yerushalayim Nishalka Shvatim, was that divvied up also, or was that not a portion? There's some achlokas there, and we pass in that Yerushalayim was not divided amongst the, the Shvatim, it belongs to all of B'nai Yisrael. Therefore, if the closest city to this halal, to this corpse, that let's say was killed by a blunt metal object, and the closest city is Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim does not, the Zikanim do not bring a Egla Rufa, says the Rambam. It has to be a different city, the next closest city. So some halachos that we learn from the Pesukim, one other interesting one, it says, the Zikanim say, lo no call. we don't know who, uh, who did it, right? It was not witnessed by anyone, which suggests that if it was seen by anyone, the Egla Rufa does not apply, even if it's seen by one witness, Normally, we know how many witnesses do we need. Here, even if you have one witness, and even further than that, even if it's a puzzle aid, it's not a question of him giving aidus. We really want to know who the murderer is. So even if it's a puzzle aid, meaning when the puzzle says no one saw it, that means literally nobody saw it. But if somebody saw it, then it will not apply. You don't do the whole Egla Rufa. Now, what's the reason for this Egla Rufa? So two different parts. What's the reason? The actual reason first is why do we even hold the, the Zikanim accountable from the closest city? So we assume that the murderer who's still on the lamb came from the closest city. So why did the Zikanim, what, why are they at fault? So Arashi brings the Gemara, two reasons. A, had they were presumably when this person left the city, he was not accompanied by anybody. No one escorted him out of the city. So the robbers thought he's not a Chasha person, meaning there was no one with him there was no one with him to protect him. So had they been malava him, this wouldn't have happened. Alternatively, because they were not malava him, the, uh, the robber thought he's, he's an unimportant person. So if I kill him, no one's going to miss him. Okay, so the Zikanim are held guilty, accountable for not being malava, escorting the, the person out. We know, by the way, right, one of the things we have for Achanas Azorachim is Eishel, Achia, Shasia, and Levia. You have, to, you have to give food, you have to give drink, and you have to escort someone. It's always proper to escort someone out of your house. So now, 
So if if this happens, okay. So that's as far as why there's a canim. But why why do we actually decapitate? It sounds like a very morbid and gruesome procedure. So the Sefer Achinuch suggests, when he always gives his reason for the mitzvah, he says this mitzvah in particular, when the people who are present hear the screams, the primordial screams of this cow being decapitated, it's going to stare in them. It's going to cause them to tremble and to come forth with any knowledge that they have of who the murderer is. In case they're harboring the murderer, in case they're harboring the murderer, this process is going to move them so much and scare them by seeing an 800-pound, 1,200-pound stare being killed that they're going to say, I I can't take this. They're going to feel guilty, and they're going to come forth, and we're going to reveal who the murderer is. Now, this is an incredibly important halacha concept, I should say, not halacha, concept that comes out of here. There's a concept called karov. Karov means proximity. When we're not sure where something came from, we, imply, we apply the rule of karov, which means that it's more likely came to the place that's closest in proximity, which in this case is the scenario, right? We don't know who killed the person, so we, we mother do, they go ahead and they, they come out and measure. Whichever city is closest to the corpse is the one that has to go and do this process. There's another concept in the Torah and Shas called rov. Rove is we follow the majority, which states that if we don't know where something came from, the greatest likelihood is from the, from the majority, from the bigger uh, population. So in this case, what happens if you have a karov and a rove when they come clashing each other? Which means city A is closer, but has a population of 20,000. City B is two miles further from the corpse, but as a pe- population 5x, 100,000. So here you have Rove and you have Karov, head-on clash. Everyone understand? So what does the Torah say? What does Shas, the Gemara tell us? When you have Rove and Karov, Rove Adif. Rove wins out. The majority is a stronger, it's, it's stronger support, if you will. It buttresses it, the, the concept stronger than, than Karov. So again, if you have city A, which is 20,000 people, which is close to the halal, and you have city B, which is a mile or two further, but is five times the population, we rely on rov. Now, okay, rov, meaning... Do the second support that? One second. Well, excellent question. Fantastic question. So they have to reinterpret that to mean excellent. That's my next point, but thank you. The, The point is that we have to assume then that when the Chumash says they do whoever's closest, it's talking about where cities A, B, and C are all of equal population. Uh-huh. But excellent point. That's, that's not me. That's the Mepharshim say that. Good point, Steve. So the, right. the Co- by the rope, only if it's equal distance? No. no. So Karov is only if they're, equal dis- e- if they're equal population. If they're not, if you have cities A, B, and C, all of 20,000 people. A is the, the Zikanim of city A have to do that, not city B or C. If city A is much, much smaller than city B, then the Zikanim of city B have to do that. Here it says, whoever's closest. That's assuming now, you have to reinterpret it, that's assuming all the cities surrounding this corpse are of equal population. Does that make sense, Al? Okay? Roughly. Roughly, yeah. I mean, if, I don't know if every city is going to have the exact, but you're correct. Again, what that... Differences, I, I don't know, but it has to be Allahly significant. Interesting, by the way, if the closest city, by the way, is a city of idolaters, then no one has to do this because we assume that the Rotseach came from the, the closest city. 
So if, if, the, if the closest city is, is of the Avodah Zarah, then we don't do this whole process. We just assume that the Rotseach is, is from there and hiding from there. So anyway, so with that in mind, let's see now if we can go ahead and understand this Gemara. Now, by the way, once you go ahead, there's one law, halacha we did not mention, but that's going to be stipulated in the Gemara now, which is going to be the basis of this question, is that once you go ahead and you decapitate, you do the Egla Rufa, in that valley, Nachal we said it's either an infertile valley, a very hard soil, or a very fast-flowing stream. That area can never be planted, furrowed, plowed. It can never be worked again. Okay? So with that in mind, says the Gemara, Mask of Rav Hoshia, The Gemara is going to suggest what we refuted last week was that don't give me every possible scenario where you could be chai of more than eight. Why don't we say while he's eating a cheeseburger, right? We, we, we discussed this, right? Why don't we say while he's on the plow, he's eating a cheeseburger, right? He's doing something else. That's another Isra. We said, no, 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 don't, don't be ridiculous. But now I didn't want to ruin coming attractions. Now the Gemara is exactly going to do all these weird scenarios where they add on to the eight Chiyav Malkos and someone who furrows or someone who, uh, sorry, who plows a furrow. So Gemara says, So why don't we say that this whole scenario where he's, where he's plowing with Kilayim animals on Yontif, during Shvius, with, the Kedush, with an animal that was Kadosh Mirach, and we said it before, in a Nachal Eitan, in an area, in a valley, that was used prior for Egla Rufa, Vazharte, and the Torah tells us you can't do that, that you're not allowed to go ahead and ever work this field again. So why don't we say that it's Chayiv a ninth time? The Gemara says, I'll give you another question. Maskevler of Chananya asked the following question. Why don't we give, add on to that case with this unfortunate soul now who is now Chayiv nine times, can be Chayiv a tenth time. If we say, when he's plowing, there was a, a, a piece of parchment that had Kaddish Baruch Hu's name on it, Yudke Vavke, and he plowed right over it. Let's throw on another case of Malkus. That's ten times. And what would be the Isra? Where do you know your Chayiv Malkus for being Mochek Hashem Hashem? Vazharte the Azhara from the Torah that says you're not allowed to do this. Mihocha from the following Pasuk. Vibarate Meshamam. When it comes to other false gods, when it comes to Avodazara, then you go ahead and erase their name. But says the Chomesh, Vlosasun Kain, Lashan Kecham, you are not allowed to go ahead and erase the names of a Kaddish Baruch Lahavda, you should go ahead and go ahead, you should go ahead and go out of your way to erase the names of Vodazara. So if this guy went ahead and plowed over Shem Hashem, he should be chayiv a tenth. Rabbi Avo adds on to the, uh, adds on to this uh, poor unfortunate soul. Maybe, v'lech shovnami, hakotzes es baherto. We know that if someone has a lesion, a baheres, a white lesion of tzaras, you're not allowed to take it off. So, lu yitzor, it's a weird scenario, but through the pl- process of him climbing onto the plow, let's say, he actually ripped off his, his lesion, Steve is laughing, but yeah, right? He ripped off his lesion of, of, of Baharis, Elon Dovrasov, correct. Let's see if we can, 600, well, only 365 low, low sase, so maybe we can hive him 365. So anyway, where's the Yisr? He's You have to go ahead and make sure that you do not remove the Negatsaras. Maskif Lobai, he asks another one. If someone separates the meziach from the choshen, uh, sorry, from the uh, choshen from the ephod, um, so there's two separate issues when it comes to the kelim of Miklash. Let's, let's take a uh, tangent for a second. 
So first, we know that there were eight big day kahuna, four for the Kohen Hedjot, and four for the Kohen Gadol. On top of the, on top of the regular Begadim, the Kohen Gadol wore the Choshen, Choshen the Aphod, that sits, and the Me'il. So now, what was the Choshen and what was the Aphod? The Choshen was um, a breastplate, which was made of three different walls and linens tied together, as well as gold. And it was an, an ama by a half an ama. He would fold it in half the Kohen Godel, so the whole length now was a half ama by a half ama. And there were 12 stones on it. Each stone had on it, right, the shevet. What, there's only one letter, by the way, missing in all the Shvatim. Anyone know what it is? Naftali. Zvulin. Ruvain. Tet. There's no test in the, uh, I said test for you, test for everyone else, right? There's no um, letter test in any of the shvatim. In any event, inside the fold, he would put the urim v'tumim. And the urim v'tumim had shem Hashem on it. And whenever a, a question arose, he would ask the, ask the urim v'tumim and the letters, the, sorry, the, um, the stones or the letters of, that had the letters of that answer would go ahead and illuminate and he'd have his answer. And t- so that was attached to what's called the ephod. The ephod was an apron that he wore from the back, so it covered the Kohen Gadol's back, and the Choshen covered the front. And these two were never supposed to be separated, so much so that there's an Isram in a Torah. The Torah actually says, um, you're not allowed to, it says, Lo yazich, right? you're not allowed to go ahead and it says, um, you're not allowed to go ahead and remove the Choshen from the ephod. So somehow, either... It's very unclear what the scenario is in here. Either he w- put it on, he separated it and started driving it, you know, wearing it like, you know, you wear those uh, reflector vests. He was wearing it like that. But whatever the case is, he went ahead and he separated the, the Choshen from the Aphon and started driving. Or there's also an Isser, you're not allowed to take the poles out of the Aron. All the Kalim of the Mishkan had poles. And whenever they, they would travel, they would ha- take the poles but when it was standing, when it, they were set in their travels in the Midbar, they took the poles out, except for the Aron. The Aron, even when it was standing still and it was resting, they were not traveling. The, the, there were four rungs, or four holes, and they had two poles to, to carry it. Even when it was stationary, they were not allowed to go ahead and remove the poles of the Aron. This was a special halacha, and that's what it's talking about here, by Meser's Bade Aron. You maybe you use those poles to create the uh, plow, whatever the weird situation is, but the hechetimsa is. But that's the scenario. So we should be chayvim another case of another case of, uh, of of Malchus. By the way, it's just interesting. By the way, that there's a in Parak Dalit, it Also, there's a pasuk that suggests that they went ahead and they actually uh, inserted poles. Even when the Aron, so Tosos actually suggests there were four poles, two that always remained stationary, and two that were inserted when they traveled. But there was never less than two in there, whereas all the other Kalim would have none when they, when they were stationary. A different possible answer, the Ramban says, that actually the extra poles doesn't mean that they actually insert the poles. And when it says they put them on the shoulders, it just means they put them on the shoulders. The, 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 the poles were already in, fastened in the Aron. Just when they travel, they just meant that they put them on the shoulders, but not that they're adding an additional two. So it's a way to understand the Pasuk, either like Tosfos, that there were actually two sets of poles, meaning four poles, two poles that always remained, and they added an additional two poles when they traveled. Or the Ramban says it doesn't actually mean they insert the poles, it just means they put them on the shoulder. What's the reason for this mitzvah? What's the reason for these two mitzvahs? So the Sefer Chinuch sort of combines them, 
And he says the reason for always having the, the badim in the aron is to show that just as the aron is perfect, the Torah is perfect, it houses the Torah. So we didn't need to go ahead and add, subtract. The aron is perfect, and it reflects the fact that the, the contents, i.e. the Torah, the luchos were also perfect. There were two, two sets, there were two arons, right? Two sets of luchos. But Solomon made one during the base of English, and Moshe made the first, right? So the first one had the shivrei luchos, and the second one had the other ones, and the question is whether when they went to battle, if they only took the shivrei luchos, maybe the, the shards of the first, uh, the broken remains of the first luchos, but not the second luchos. In any event, so he says, so he suggests, why not just say that we have another Aveira tack, tacked on here, that in fact, when he went ahead and he did all these, mice, uh, these, these Averos, when he went ahead and he plowed, Maybe we should throw on that he erased Hashem's name. Maybe he did it in a place that, that had the Egla Rufa that shouldn't have been done. Maybe he did it in a Hechetemsa where he used the wood of the, the poles of the Aron or he separated the separated the, uh, the Eifer from the Choshen. By the way, Sefer Chinuch says something fascinating. Not that I'm a Bucky in Sefer Chinuch. Um, after 11 years, I finished it with Barry last year, after 11 years learning on Shabbos, but I don't remember coming across it any other mitzvah. That's not to say it isn't. It probably is. My memory's not good. But he says, I don't really have a great reason why you can't separate, says the Sefer Chinuch, why you can't separate the, the ephod from the Choshen, other than the fact that it also represents that the Big Tekun are perfect and that we shouldn't need to fix it. It is how it is. And unless I hear a better answer, this is my story and I'm sticking to it. That's actually the Lashon of the Sefer Chinuch. He says, Nach unless I hear a better reason or I come across a better reason for this mitzvah, not separating the Chosh and the Ephod, this is my story and I'm sticking to it, which is a very interesting Lashon of the Sefer Chinuch. In any event, so let's... The Kohen and the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen and the Kohen So how'd you get the clothing? Yeah, so the Kohen Gadol is the one driving. It's a very, very, very weird scenario. I think the point is more the concept than the actual Mitzias. Okay, if you're not done yet, Steve, get, get ready. Buckle in. So, Maskele Ravashi, Velech Shovnami, let us do another one. Batsei Asherah, right? Maybe the Atsei Asherah is a, an Asherah tree, is a tree that was used for Avodah Zara. And we know you're not allowed to get any Hana from anything that has to do with Avodah Zara. So, in order to make the plow, he used the wood from an Asherah tree. So now he's getting Hana from it. So maybe now we're up to number 12. By the way, we just came across. Who was the one who invented the plow? It was Noah. Noah, two weeks ago. Zeyinah Hamenu, right? We thought that he would bring us comfort. We were working so hard. He was the one who, was, who uh, developed the first John Deere. Okay, but out of wood, apparently. Out of wood, right? So this would be number 12. Maskala Ravina, I'll give you another one. Hakotzeitz Ilanos Tovos. If someone goes ahead and cuts down fruit trees, fruit-bearing trees, meaning... During your process of plowing, you went ahead and you ran over, you plowed over a fruit-bearing tree, and the Pasuk says, If you actually, we have our Chumashim open, and we should, we should have them open. If you actually turn back, I want to show you something amazing. If you turn back um, to Dvarim Chav Yotes, it is, okay, Pasuk 1042, this, you don't have to turn back. Okay, the same page. Three psukim early, two psukim earlier, Pasuk Yutes, in the end of Shoftim, says, You go ahead and you see, you lay siege to an enemy city. Don't go ahead and destroy any tree. From that you will eat vosolo tichros. And you are not allowed to go ahead and cut that down. Now, it's interesting. 
We know you're not allowed to cut down fruit-bearing trees. What's the obvious reason? The obvious reason is because it's bat- you need to eat it. Batashchis, Akash Baruch Hu, it gives off uh, sustenance. You're not allowed to go and, and, and cut it down. So what if it's a tree that has no fruit? So, you don't tell everyone that we spoke last night. You don't, <laughs> so I'll get to that in a second. It's a great question. So, so, by the, so the Gemara and Kedushan that Flamid Beis adds on to this from here is the Isser of Baltashchis, as Yanki just said. You know, it doesn't just mean the concept, or it's brought down in the Torah regarding a fruit tree, but it's shy to wasting good clothes, wasting other food, meaning you don't throw anything that's still out anything, you don't waste it, it still has use. Where do they learn that from? So if you look in the Pasuk, it says, it says Lo Sashchis Esensa, do not destroy the tree, and then it says, and then don't go ahead and cut it down. Why the double Lashon? So the Gemara learns out from there that it's talking about two separate, meaning it's not just limited to trees, but anything. Otherwise, why the double Lashon? Why did it have to go ahead and repeat itself? It must be because it's extending it and expanding it to other areas, not just a tree. So I want to tell you something amazing. So there's a concept of, listen to this, this is really fascinating. There's a concept of we know when we do a mitzvah, and we're not sure if we did the mitzvah, we're, we're in doubt. Purim is a perfect example. You drink a little bit, you're not sure if you benched. So when it comes to a mitzvah, we have to go ahead and we have to go ahead and repeat the mitzvah because it's, we have a concept. If you're unsure, in a case where the severity is one of Torah mandate, you have to go ahead and err on the side of caution. As opposed to... If the suffix derabanan, lakula, right? If I'm not sure if I made a bracha when I put up a mezuzah, do I go ahead and make, back and make the bracha? No, a bracha is derabanan. Only two brachas daraisa. One of the two brachas daraisa, brachas amazon, and brachas atora, right? Vachaltav svatev rachta and kishem hashem ekra. So all those two, those two brachos are daraisa. Every other bracha is derabanan. So if I'm not sure if I made a bracha, if I'm not sure, I, I benched. You go back. Suffix daraisa lechomra. If I'm not sure if I made a bracha on tefillin today, do I go back and make the bracha? No. It, not if you don't know if you did the mitzvah the rabban. If you're not sure you did the mitzvah the rabban of suffolk, if you don't know, of course you go back. Now you don't make a bracha. Bracha is never makiv. But if you didn't, not sure you did uh, lit Hanukkah candles, for example, right? You just I don't know. You you you're on heavy medication. You fell asleep and you have no idea if you lit Hanukkah candles. The rabbanon. The Rambam is of the opinion that this concept of suffolk the rice. This is fascinating. Suffolk the rice the chumrah. Suffolk daraisa lechomra, a suffolk minatora. We are stringent. If you're not sure, you go back and do the mitzvah. Is only rabbinically mandated. Only it's a concept mitrabanan. The Rashba, the Ran, they all hold that it's from has the roots from the Torah. If you're not sure if you did a suffolk, uh, a mitzvah daraisa, a Torah mitzvah, go back and do it. And the Rashba and the Ran, other Rishonim say it's from the Torah. This seems to be a direct contradiction to the Rambam or against the Rambam. How? A direct refutation, I should say. Let's go back and say here. Look at Pasuk Yutes. Ki ir yamim rabim. When you will lay siege to a city, li to go ahead and fight it, or to capture it, letofsa, lo sashchis es eitzen Do not go ahead and destroy. Don't put an axe to a tree that bears fruit. Ki Because from it you will eat, <coughs> and you cannot go ahead and cut it down. Only a tree, rock eats, that you are certain. Now, y'all, correct me if I'm misinterpreting this. Rock eats, only if you are 100% sure that 
that it is not a fruit-bearing tree, only then, only that tree can you then destroy. Which suggests that if you're not sure, can you cut it down? No. Only a tree. Only a tree that you are sure that it is not a fruit-bearing tree can you cut down. The implication is, read between the lines, that if you're not sure, bless you, if you're not sure if it's a fruit-bearing tree, are you or are you not? You cannot. So we see to the suffix daraiz to the chumrah, a state in the pasuk. So it's a question on the Rambam. The Rambam went ahead and said this whole concept of a suffix. You're in a doubt regarding a mitzvah daraisa. Be stringent. If you're in doubt regarding a mitzvah darabanan, be lenient. Is only rabbinically mandated. It's only midrabanan. What are you going to do with this pasuk? This might just be for the one case. Okay, but again, but it's. But it can also be. But okay, but he doesn't. He's not mechalik. He no, just basically says. Yes, but there might be that just for this one thing, for this tree, is the only case that the Torah. Says. Okay, why would it be different? I mean. Because that's why he spelled. It, that's why some spelled it out. Is that he doesn't hold by but this. But I, I don't know how many other sources we have in the psukim where it says if you're in doubt. In other words, aren't, it's not like it's written by every mitzvah if you're in doubt. But okay. So now, there are those who say as follows. So want to answer for the, Everyone understand the question? Yes? Anyone not understand the question? We're happy to repeat if you're it. you're not an expert, you're not going to know that a fruit tree is a fruit tree until, you, until it starts bearing fruit. Okay, but let's say you have a, uh, a treeologist with you. I don't know. Let's say you have someone with you. And you're able to ascertain that it's not, that, that it is or it's not. But if you're not sure, Torah says, steer clear. And obviously it's, it's rooted in the Psukim. So how does the Rambam, how's the Rambam going to answer this? So there are those who answer something amazing. They say, the suffix in the, and this is really brought down based on this, how the Sifri interprets the Pasuk. The suffix in the Pasuk, the Rambam will answer, is not talking about whether it's a suffix, whether it's a fruit-bearing tree, Rather, it's a, if it's still fruit-bearing. The Chinuch says, if a tree has aged so much that it produces so little that it's not worthwhile for the owner to cultivate it, to plant it, to seed it, to fertilize it on a regular basis, you know, it's like you know, reach an NBA player after a certain amount, their productivity decreases and they let, let, let him go, right? Tom Brady and the Patriots, although they didn't know he'd win a Super Bowl. But anyway, so after a while, the fruit starts declining, declining, declining. So if it's not worthwhile for the owner to go and cultivate, it's not worth his time anymore, he's going to focus on other trees, the Chinuch says it doesn't apply. That's how they interpret this Pasuk according to the Rambam. The, why? Because then we have another principle based on Chazaka. Chazaka basically states, we look at the past to maintain status quo. We're not sure. We look at the last, that's three years, whatever, so we look at the past. Chazaka is going to override a suffix. Chazaka is stronger. So if you're not sure, we know it's a fruit-bearing tree. We know it's been fruit-bearing for the past 26 years. Happens to be now that the last year was really shvach, and this year we expect to be even shvacher, meaning even less productivity, then we're not going to, but not whether it's a fruit-bearing tree. The Ramam says that's not what the suffix is talking about here. Zichar, if it was a fruit-bearing tree, if it's suffix, whether it's a fruit-bearing tree, you'd be allowed to cut it down, because it's only in Midrabana, it's not from the Torah. But the Torah is talking about a stronger suffix, not a suffix fruit-bearing tree or not fruit-bearing tree. We know it's a fruit-bearing tree. And therefore the chazaka is that it's going to give fruit this year. The suffix is whether it's going to be worthwhile, it's going to have enough uh, produce that it's going to be worthwhile for him to go ahead and spend it and focus his concentration and efforts on maintaining and cultivating the tree. Because the only reason that we have <coughs> it is because it has fruit. Say again? To, 
that the only reason with, that we are not doing it is because it has fruit that we want to use. Right, so but based on Chazaka, meaning based on the Chazaka, that last year it gave fruit, so we can assume even though it's aged out and the shelf life has run its course, in all likelihood it's still going to produce. We're not sure, but it may produce, and therefore the Rambam says, in that case, that's a Chazaka, it's a suffix based on a Chazaka, we rely on the Chazaka. The Chazaka says you're more likely going to go ahead and have fruit. That's why it says only if you're 100% sure, it's not, not going to uh, it's a fruit-bearing tree, but only if you're 100% sure that's not going to bear any fruit. In that year, or? Well, I assume it's not going to do this year, it's not going to do the next year either. Well, no, I'm talking about, so I'm talking the, the opposite of that, okay? So if some from fruit-bearing trees don't start bearing fruit until year five, six, seven. Okay? But then it never really bore fruit. Right, but you know that it's the it's the species. So that I don't think anyone would say then you can't then you know if it's if it hasn't even reached its maturity yet then of course that went the black because it's going to give fruit. It's just meaning if it's already so then, run so its course. You wouldn't be allowed. To you be. you would not be of course. No, it, it has, a, has a whole future. It has a whole future. So the next so year. Right. So the question is, where, so we're talking about stuff whether it's going to, if it already is still producing. Anything. Right. But no, but this comes into whether it's, the Chinuch says at least, whether it's worthwhile for the owner's perspective. In other words, if he's going to get three oranges, and you can actually speak, Joseph Gittler is coming in a couple of weeks from Leket, Israel in two weeks. You can ask him how much, you know, how many years of uh, the shelf life of a tree. But. But basically, if, if, um, if you see that it's the, the owner saying, I have, my other trees produce 50 bushels of apples. This one gives me a half a bushel. Is it really worth my time spending that amount of time, you know, the same amount of time on that one versus the other one? So for me, it's not a loss anymore. It doesn't give anything significant. You can cut it down. That's what the Chinook says. So that's, that's what we're talking about here. The suffix is whether, we don't know for sure that it's not going to produce. It's a suffix. That's the, when the Torah says, only if you know for sure, for sure that it's not going to produce and, the, and, the, and even produce enough that the owner is going to make it worthwhile for him to go ahead and plant, you know, cultivate it, then you can cut it down. But not a suffix whether it's a fruit-bearing tree or not fruit-bearing tree. So that's what the Rambam is going to answer. And the last point, something also fascinating. So... Um, the Pasuk says, Let's say the guy took a shvuah upon himself. Let's say the guy took a shvuah that I'm not going to go ahead and plow on Yontif. And by doing this now, he went and violated this nether. So let's he should have another case of Malkus for this. Oh, so Gemara says, Oh, sorry. So the Gemara says, "Hasam lokachal shvuah shemush bevem asinahu." You're not allowed to take a shvuah. Am I allowed to take a shvuah that I'm not going to eat treif today? Is that chal? No. no. First of all, what's the difference between a shvuah and a chal and a neder? A neder is on the excellent. You're doing, holding a dafiomi. Excellent, Marty. So neder is on the chefza. It's on the object. Shvuah is on me. So if I say I am not going to go ahead and eat treif today, is that chal? No. We already took that shvuah. We already went ahead and we took that Shvua 3,000 years ago. Nasev Nishma. So in Shvua, you can't make another Shvua on something that. So say I'm not going to go ahead and plow on, on Yantif? That is no, that, that's not a valid question. Let's give him Malkos because he swore. And now when he went ahead and he, and he plowed on Yantif, he violated that Shvua. That, that has no Mamasha. So it doesn't have any Chalos because it never took hold in the first place because we already. You can't. We already have a that we already accepted that. Gemara continues. No, no, you know what? Amarle, 
No, no, no. The guy's a little smarter. The guy's going to say, no, I know that if I take a neder, that I'm not going to go ahead and plow on Yantif. It's never going to, it has no teeth. It's never going to even get rooted in the ground because it doesn't take effect from the, from the get-go. But he's a real smart aleck. He goes in and says, I'm not going to plow during the week and on Yantif. So since the part where he says, I'm not going to plow on during the week takes effect, maybe drags with it the other half of the Shavuot that I'm not going to take, and I'm not going to plow on Yantif as well. Everyone understand? He tried to do a little trick. The Gemara says, no. <clears throat> of all the cases that they went ahead and rejected, you know, separating the, 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 the this is the one they pick on. It says, No, we're not talking about, when we go ahead and we thrust upon this guy, Malchus after Malchus after Malchus after Malchus, as unlikely as the scenario is, we give him one, one, uh, one way out. And that is, anything which can be undone, we're not going to go ahead and throw Malchus on, because he can undo. Marty's our resident uh, expert in Ataris and Dharma. He's doing Dafyomi. So, anything that can be undone, if he can undo his neder, or shvua, we're not going to be mechaiv him. So, in that case, we'll have to finish up. We'll have a couple more interesting cases about Naziros next week with a fascinating. Oh, tomorrow, actually. I am here tomorrow. So, we're back on tomorrow. We'll pick up with this tomorrow. We still do it Friday, also? Yeah. Okay. Why not? Yeah, we have, we have a Masechta to finish. Well, we can vote on it. Do you not want to do Fridays? We're going to jump into next week. Oh, voting. Oh, I missed that. Totally over my head. All right, Yishkoyach, guys. I'll, I'll send this.